Welcome to the One Question Podcast, brought to you by Wabi Sabi Studios. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, and I love having unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. It's a huge passion of mine, so much so that I wrote a few books a while back that challenge people's notion on living a life more unconventionally. This entire podcast stems around one question. If there was one topic you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? I put the business first and I think really I should have put the relationship first because the breakdown of those relationships, the cost is so huge, losing the friendship and in the end the cost of the business is massive as well in terms of when a business partnership breaks up, what it does to the company culture, what it does to your momentum. Imagine that you're a super smart entrepreneur that has run and invested in several successful business ventures, but you find it hard to translate your business success into your love life. You're keen to start a family, but can't seem to meet that right person no matter what you do. How would you tackle this problem that's more common today than many people realise? You see, Rebecca Campbell is the co-founder of Hey You, a mobile app used by more than one million Australians to order and pay at cafes. But she's also the author of a fascinating book called 130 Dates, a true story of one woman's search for everything. You see, Rebecca took a very different approach to her dating dilemma, and she bears all in her wonderfully unique story. Prior to Hey You, Rebecca founded the shopping app Posse.com and built one of Australia's most successful independent music companies representing the careers of Evermore, Matt Corby, Lisa Mitchell and several others with offices in London and New York. Rebecca has kept a blog about her experiences as an entrepreneur, which was named Best Business Blog by Smart Company, and also this became a New York Times column in 2012. Rebecca is a high-profile public speaker and was named a Woman of Influence in 2015. I saw Rebecca speak in an event many years ago, and I was struck by her humble nature that masks a clearly incredibly talented and very intelligent woman. I hope you enjoy this conversation with the lovely Rebecca Campbell. Rebecca, it is fantastic to have you here on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to chat. I'm excited. Let's kick in. If there is one thing that you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? I think the importance of long-term relationships. I think this is something that I have figured out kind of over the years and I've something I've thought about a lot you know, over the past, I guess, five to 10 years as I've gotten older. And I've seen, you know, people around me who have these kind of 20-year relationships they've built, it could be in business or friendships and just the power of those relationships. And, you know, I've been fortunate to have some of those, but you know, I wish I had put more emphasis on it. I wish it's something that I'd learned when I was young. I just think it's such an important part of life in terms of being successful, also in terms of being happy and fulfilled as a person. Yeah, I think it's the most important thing to learn. Oh, I love that. What a beautiful topic. And why do you think we need to talk about it more and why it's such a topic you're passionate about? It wasn't something that I ever talked about and it's something that I've been thinking about and like why was that not more of a focus kind of in my education from school, from my parents and it just friendships weren't really prioritised, I think. Given the amount of impact they have in your life, I think that friendships is something that should really be prioritised in terms of what you'd learn about. I'm an only child and we moved around a lot when I was young so 
I didn't develop really deep friendships at school that were long-term. And I got into business. So I was always running my own business from a pretty young age. So I didn't develop friendships at work. And I guess when I was the boss, I would do things like, you know, I'd have a relationship with a lawyer that I would build and then they would do something wrong or they'd stuff something up and I'd be like, oh, I need a new lawyer. <laughs> I'd move on and find someone else. And same with accountants. I can't think the number of lawyers and accountants that I've been through. I was talking to a friend the other day who's really successful in business and also just a wonderful person. And he talked about how he figured out very early on in business, optimizing for the long term and the importance of that. I think his his experience that he shared with me was, I mean, he had a little business and he always paid his suppliers on time and he just thought that that's what everybody did. And then one day something went wrong in his business and he really needed one of his suppliers to do him a favor, like work really hard on something, turn something around. And he felt bad about you know, asking this and the supplier was like, sure, mate, like you've always paid your bills on time. You've always done the right thing by me. And he was just like, oh, doesn't everybody do that? It made him start to think about this, you know, the power of relationships and yeah, how, you know, you always look after people and build these long-term friendships and just, you know, the power of them in terms of all the different things that that can lead to. But then also just like having those deep friendships, you know, I now have a few, but it's just such a beautiful thing. Like, you know, I'm in my early 40s now and I can look back and there's people I've known for 20 years and it's just such a wonderful thing. Yeah. You know, I have friends that I went to school with, like, you know, that we met when we were sort of eight and 10 years old. It's an interesting transition I've had recently, though, around that because I am a very kind of loyal person and I've got friends that have been in my life for, you know, 30, 40 years even, you know, as I sort of turn 50 in 50 days from now, Beck. <laughs> Yeah, it's an interesting time to sort of reflect on that. But what happened in the last couple of years was actually I kind of really evaluated those friendships as well because some of them I'd outgrown. But because I thought that you should actually be friends with someone forever and you should sort of, you know, always make an effort and you should forgive them for, you know, some of the differences or whatever. But there's also an element where you actually do change so significantly and it's okay to part ways and to find new friends because as you sort of grow and level up as a human, you will find that you don't have as much in common with some friends that you had when you were 10 years old. Yeah, I think that's very true. I have found that, you know, and, and particularly <laughs> moving and going in different directions to people. When I've changed or learned something, you know, some old friendships haven't stuck, but that is life. That's part of the journey of life. I guess the thing that I've just been thinking about is that some of those relationships that do stick are so powerful and just the importance, particularly now I've got young kids. So my daughter has just started school this year. And there's a lot of emphasis on reading and writing and maths and things. But I really think, you know, and that was definitely what I was told to focus on at school. That was the moment. But I really think like these friendships, just the ability to kind of form close relationships with people and, you know, look after your friends and maintain those friendships over time and thinking of this idea of optimizing for the long term that's what I'm trying to teach Eve now like you're having an argument over a coin or something that we had the other day but really think about the long term you know her best friend is called Molly and they always have arguments so I'm always like optimize for the long term you don't have to blow up at all these little tiny things I just think it's such an important that's skill to learn. Great I think you know some of my older friends could have some some of that knowledge as well back so you could potentially uh, pass on some of the wisdom because yes I've got a mate who tends to uh, like you with your accountants and lawyers, she toasts people pretty quick. And I reminded her the other day, I'm like, darling, you're not 18 or you're not 15 anymore. It's about actually adulting and um, having a conversation, a tough conversation with this particular person, if it's something that you didn't like, 
it was almost like I gave her a virtual sort of slap across the face. And this is about a new relationship she's in. And she just didn't like something the guy did. And I was like, they're like, come on, you know, that's not that bad. Just sit down and have a chat to him about it. Anyway, and then she rang the next day and said, um, you were right. I did sit down and it was good. I was like, oh my goodness, she's 51. <laughs> Why am I having this conversation with you? It's beautiful. But something you said then in that vein of, you know, toasting people and the lack of tolerance, what advice if you could look back at yourself, you know, through that sort of time, what advice would you give yourself now and say, you know, okay, give that person another chance. And these are sort of some things you could try. Yeah. I mean, I think just nobody is perfect. This book that I just put out talks about I was single for a very long time, worked very hard to find a relationship, and now I have a, a relationship. And it was a funny time in my life where I had a new business relationship and a new personal romantic relationship, and they both kind of came into my life at similar times. I had never had a business partnership really before. So I was learning to deal with these two men who <laughs> I was in partnership with at the same time. And I remember thinking that in business – there were things that he did that really rubbed me up, you know, the wrong way. Like there's just lots of things. I won't go into the details. In my personal relationship, there was things as well. Like there's, there was, it wasn't perfect. We, particularly in the early days of a relationship, you know, there's lots of things that we argued over. But I kind of would figure out that, you know, I, was, I decided in my personal relationship that I had chosen Rod, who was my partner. And that was it. My book's called 138 Dates. I'd been on 137 other dates. I knew what was out there. I knew he was a good person. I was going to make it work no matter what, forever. And so when we had arguments, I never allowed myself to think, is this the right guy for me? I always thought about, okay, how can I make this work? You know, let's sit down, let's talk about it. I had chosen was the point. That's kind of this powerful choices idea. I'd chosen him forever. Whereas in business, I did start to think, would there be a better business partner for me? It was actually much harder in business because you have this project, whereas in a personal relationship, it's just all about the relationship and making the relationship work. Whereas in business, you've got this kind of other entity, which is the business itself and what's the best thing for the business. I wanted to prioritize the relationship, but in the end, I felt like I had to prioritize the shareholders in the business and the relationship blew up. In hindsight, it was a huge mistake. And, you know, I like got all on this thing about that I was right. And there's a lot of payoff in being right. <laughs> I just discovered now I can look back. But yeah, I put the business first. And I think really I should have put the relationship first because the breakdown of those relationships, the cost is so huge, losing the friendship. And in the end, the cost of the business is massive as well in terms of when a business partnership breaks up, what it does to the company culture, what it does to your momentum. And it was certainly like that for us. So I think it's just recognizing that nobody is perfect and that, you know, once you've chosen, of course, there's like things people will do where you go, okay, that's just not on and I'm not going to stand for that and I'm going to walk away from this relationship. But this was not one of those cases at all. And the person was actually, you know, in hindsight, a really good guy and I should have worked through it. But yeah, generally, unless there's a massive deal breaker, the relationship should come first. Good thing to admit, you know, about your learnings through that and what an experience to go through, I think. But lovely for you to be able to reflect and go, I could have done this different and I could have done that better. And yeah, fabulous learnings and hopefully take it forward to um, your future relationships. So I want to get into your book because it is a fabulous title, 138 Dates. So as you just alluded to there, you were single for quite a while. And, you know, I've met you over the years where, you know, you've been in the startup world and you've started like, you know, lots of different businesses and you're incredibly entrepreneurial. 
So you took a real data-driven approach, didn't you, to dating, to finding your now partner. So talk through that because it's a fabulous kind of, you know, overarching discussion around relationships. I had some grief early in my adult life. My first partner was tragically killed in a car accident when I was 24 and I got very stuck and I didn't date. And then I knew I always wanted a family and a partner, but I didn't do anything about it. I just focused on work and hope that nobody would ask me about that side of my life. And I kept myself very busy. And then I got to 34 and I woke up, it was Christmas morning, and I was asleep on a kind of fold-out stretcher bed in the garage of some friends of my parents. It was like the same garage that I slept on in Christmas morning when I was 10 years old, but I was like 34. And so I thought, this is uh, not going the way that I'd hoped and I started to calculate how many years of fertility do I have left. You know, I really just imagined that I would have little kids running around at Christmas. And so I was like, you know, I can't be alone forever. This is, I've got to make some serious changes here if my life's going to turn out the way that I want it to. So I know in business that I'm not the smartest, most strategic business person that, you know, just has like brilliant insights and then does it. I succeed by setting myself goals and sticking to them. And that's what I've always done. I just know that I'm the kind of person that can follow things through once I set my mind to them. And I'll kind of figure it out through making mistakes or whatever along the way. And so my initial New Year's resolution that year was to go on one date every week for a year. So I thought, okay, I'm going to meet 52 different men this year. Hopefully one of them will kind of work out and I can figure this out. And I kind of knew that I would make mistakes along the way. And I was still completely terrified about getting rejected and what these guys would even think of me given I had never been on a date. But it was a goal-driven approach. But I was just like, I will, once I say I'm going to do that, I know that I will do it. And I did do it. Yes. And so you literally went on a date every week for three years, like it just every single week. I mean, there was a couple of little relationships in there that all went up in flames and disasters. And sometimes I did more than one a week. If I was ever traveling, for example, I would make up. So I'd do two a week or three a week just to make sure that I still got to my target. It must have taken such a pragmatic approach though. Did you have a checkbox and go, these are the key things that, you know, like they have to pass these sort of things. You know, I've been like with my partner, for, well, husband now, but we've been together for 20 years. So I'm very much out of the dating scene. <laughs> so I'm just curious about, did you use Tinder? Like how did you even go about the whole entire process? Yeah. So, I mean, I started on eHarmony because I thought people wouldn't see my profile publicly, which I was worried about initially, looking desperate or whatever, silly things that I was worried about. And I mean, my first date was a really nice guy. So that that put me in a good place. It gave me a bit of confidence. We went out a few times. We weren't a good kind of long-term match, but he was a genuine person. I thought, okay, there are genuine nice guys out there. So I'll, I'll keep going with this. And I just learned lots, which I documented in the book along the way of, okay, I, I now figured this out. Like this is how you set up a first date. I was learning for the first time what a sales funnel was for my business, which is Hey You, the coffee app now. And so, you know, you get the most, we need to get the most number of cafes at the top of the funnel. And then we need to build good filters and invest our time in the cafes that are most likely to convert and be successful. So I was learning that. And so I was like, I should think about dating in the same way. And so I thought, okay, I need as many potential candidates in the top. I was like, I've got 52 slots for the year. So <laughs> I need those 52 to be the most likely to be you know, a good match for me. And so I signed up for courses. I asked my friends for introductions. So I did everything. And then I built a bit of a formula where I messaged people for a few days. It was always about casting a wide net. So unless someone put something in their profile, which kind of ruled them out, and there was a lot of red flags that I identified that kind of ruled people out that were not aligned from a values perspective, then 
I would message and I would do calls on Sundays. So I'd do kind of three to five calls on a Sunday. And then I'd line up, you know, one or two dates for that week based on the calls, I guess. So they were my filters. It was as much for me about becoming the right person, someone who could have a successful long-term relationship, I think, and someone who would be the right person for someone else, as much as it was about finding the right person. It was definitely both. What a fascinating process. I mean, you're giving me lots of little business ideas, actually, of that entire process, but were there some pretty bad dates along the way? And did you just have coffees or did you always sort of have dinner or lunch or, you know, if anyone's listening to this and they're like, oh my goodness, like this is such an interesting approach. I might not have the um, tenacity or the stamina that Rebecca has, but I might do a little uh, version of that. What advice would you give them? So I did do coffee dates and lots of different dates. I did discover though that I think dates are quite special. If you want to meet the love of your life, you know, it's unlikely you're going to meet them on coffee because I started noticing, or maybe that was a nice person, but we only met for kind of 45 minutes at lunchtime for a coffee and it's hard to tell. So I think I would probably say keep it at one, one date a week, make it special. An example of a bad date is, I think it was my second date. I had organized to meet this guy for dinner. I wanted someone smart, which, you know, that was on my criteria list. I had the stupid criteria list at the beginning of smart, tall and fun, which I kind of debunked as I met people and worked out that that was not a good criteria list. And there was much more important things to be looking for than those three things. But anyway, I thought this guy would be smart because he was in gaming, like he was a game programmer. And then so I'd organized to meet him for dinner. And then he turned up and he was quite a nice guy, but he was wearing big sneakers and a a big StarCraft t-shirt. And he was a gamer, not a game programmer. So he played games in his parents' basement all day. (laughs) He looked like he hadn't been outside for a very long time. It was a really awkward dinner. I tried to keep the conversation going, but then I was like, okay, you know, this is not a good situation for either of us because I feel bad. And I worked out, okay, we'll meet for a drink at a place where you can say, let's stay for dinner if it's going well, or if it's not going well, you can go, it was really nice to meet you and head off. Did you ever share with people that you were going on a day to week type scenario? That was the first sort of question I was thinking. And then the other part is when did it occur to you to actually write a book about this? So there was one guy in New York that I shared this with, who I was on a date with. And I was just like perplexed by why I wasn't getting anyone. Like I was going on all these dates and no one was ever calling me back. And I was like, what's going wrong? And he kind of gave me some really good tips. I think that was the only one that I told that I was going on a date a week or I was trying to go on all these dates and I really wanted to find a partner. And did he say, oh yeah, it's obvious? Is that some of the feedback he gave you? He's like, yeah, I can tell that you're going on a date a week. You're on a mission rather than actually relaxing or... No, I mean, one of the things he was, well, he pulled up my match.com profile because I was living in New York at that point. And like my tagline was Aussie gal looking for new adventures in the big city or something. And he was like, that is not the tagline of someone who wants to find their life partner. It's just like, change your tagline to, you know, looking for something serious or something like that. So I did. And then my profile got a lot less action, <laughs> but they were much higher quality dates. So that was one example. But then, you know, he also talked about creating chemistry, which I had not really thought about this before. I thought we have a nice conversation, we connect. He's like, there's got to be flirtation. And so I was like, okay, well, how do you do that? (laughs) So he gave me some tips along those kind of lines. God, this guy sounds like he's a bit of a dating guru. He was a New York bartender. There you go. Perfect. So, (laughs) And there's lots of those tips throughout the book. Your second question about why did I choose to write a book? I mean, I was originally writing a business book. So I had this New York Times column where I was writing about the kind of entrepreneurial journey. And so I was working with a publisher on a book about women in tech and starting a tech company and the challenges and 
I guess it was a bit boring to, I was getting up every day to write it and I was just like, oh, I've got to write that book again. That stage, I think I was pregnant with my second boy, who's now three. And I was so happy. I had this little baby girl. I think she was like one. The relationship was beautiful. And, you know, I'd go to dinner parties and someone would always ask you, like, how did you guys meet? And I'll be like, well, I've got a story about this. There were 138 dates. And then they would always say, okay, you've got to meet my single friend. Like, can I give her your number kind of thing? And then I'll be like, okay. And so I had so many of these calls, people were setting up. And I also noticed as soon as I started telling the story, everybody would lean in and kind of ask questions. And they were like really engaged. And I love telling the story and the things that I learned and stuff. And so I kind of decided that the business book, if I was bored writing about it, and I thought the world doesn't really need another business book, and I'm probably not the best person. There's other people who are better than me in business to write this book. But I was so happy in my relationship. I was like, I just want to give people this. This is much more valuable information to share. And it's a much better just general story. I think it's not just about finding a relationship. It's also about what relationships mean and how to keep great relationships and form connections with other humans, whether they be friendships or romantic relationships. And I just thought that that was so much more important in terms of information and a much more fun story to write. Everyone needs to read your book on this because first read, you think, oh, 138 dates, I'm I'm married. My husband might be thinking, why are you reading that? <laughs> I can say it's more than that. It's, it's about relationships. It's good. What's next for you now? I mean, I'm just figuring that out, actually. So I've started working on another book concept. I've got two ideas, so I'm just working through both of those at the moment. But hopefully another book at some stage and the next probably you know, it takes me a while, so maybe early 2023. Oh, fantastic. Well, I can't wait to hear what that one's going to be about, so we'll keep in touch. But thanks again. It's been fabulous to chat to you today and hear all things about relationships. Oh, thanks so much. It was a lovely conversation. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. If you did like it, can I ask a small favour? Please rate and review on your listening platform for me. I know everyone asks this, but it seriously makes a difference to help get these conversations out in the world and makes all the hard work and effort I put into this for you all the more worthwhile. And until next time, if you have one question you'd like to ask me, hit me up on my socials or jump on my website michellejcox.com.